Hey, I'm Greg. And I'm Nathaniel. Welcome to Only an Inkling, where we only talk about the Inklings. And we only have an inkling of what we're talking about. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess as Christians, what else should we expect? <laughs> right. Like the Bible said that thousands of years ago, <laughs> that the heart of man is wicked beyond all else. It's not to be trusted. It's deceptive above all things. Like... They're at the core of what what we are as human beings. There's two there's two realities. One is that we're created in the image of God. Mm-hmm. The other is that we're fallen, and thus wicked, at at, at the very center of who we are. Um, and so, what what else would we expect to find as Christians but the reality that? Well, you finally confirmed it, though. We knew it all along. <laughs> okay, and what do you mean by fallen? Can you elaborate on well, that? Well, so, so we are created in the image of God. We were created good and holy and righteous and perfect. And and we chose to rebel and, and as a result fell. We, we chose to sin and, and break the law of God and, and thus fell and now carry with us that sin nature yeah. for for as long as we live yeah um so yeah that's what i mean by fallen i guess yeah i like to think more specific i like to think that um we all accept something like that a description like that about ourselves but to truly believe it is another thing so like um Mm -hmm. Viktor Frankl, who was in the concentration camps during the Holocaust, um, he wrote a whole philosophy during and after his experience there, um, watching the most godly and wonderful people turn out to be very terrible people, wanting to kick out fellow camp members or um, even kill them because they didn't want to share bunk space or Mm. share food. And then seeing the most um, outcast of people become the greatest of people in those situations. Wow. So he starts drawing these unique conclusions. And like, on one hand, you, you really don't know what to expect with any human being. But on the other hand, there's there's great evil that's brought out of people. And then great good that's brought out of others. You know? Well, and, and to, go, to go back to this chapter... Beyond just war, there seems to be this underlying idea of suffering in general. Um, war is is the is the reality that Lewis and Screwtape use to, to address it. But but suffering is beyond just war. War just happens to be a time of very great and intense suffering. Mm-hmm. But this idea of suffering is present in which Screwtape is concerned because suffering seems to bolster faith right and to bring to bring people into greater strength with god um whether it pushes people towards a relationship with god accepting god out of themselves later he talks about how the realities of war can can push people out of their own their own selves uh, making them less selfish and more focused on causes even if the causes aren't godly themselves um all of those things he's not happy about mm-hmm. um, and concerned about and so he even says um, later that 
you know, the followers of the enemy have been made well aware that suffering is a part of what the enemy, being God, uh, calls redemption. Right. And so there is there is a truth that somehow suffering strengthens us and push pushes us towards God somehow. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> that that idea with um, with Frankel again in the in the concentration camps of never knowing exactly when the greatest evil or the greatest good is gonna um, just come to the surface of people I think uh, is what we see in this chapter too like what you're talking about because we will get to this portion of the letter where the the issue with suffering is that it has potential yeah and the battle between angels and demons is what to do with that potential. Yeah. Do you want to tip the scales <clears throat> towards people dying and just committing evil acts and not really thinking about the greater good for the sake of others or the angels trying to tip the scales the other way to get people to think about greater causes, to think about faith and to, to trust God? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all heightened in our times of suffering. I mean, you know, like some of C.S. Lewis's other writings, um, I think it's a grief observed, that famous line about our sufferings are actually the megaphone. Yeah, I think that's the problem of pain. Or the problem of pain. Pain is God's megaphone, yeah. You're right, meaning that it (laughs) it can have the greater potential during your times of suffering and pain to wake up and become very aware of God's presence in other times you might not be able to experience that or you know happiness doesn't have the same effect that grief and pain does yeah. for example so it becomes a, a megaphone and it seems like both parties here angels and demons in this time of war have their megaphones out <laughs> and it's like who's gonna hear what we don't really know how that all plays out but some yeah. people tend to draw closer to god and some people further away like I, I read this quote by lewis this morning where this seems to be another big thing about his like philosophy for life in general is mm-hmm. um he said no one is good except for god only god can be good right but what humans do is either always draw closer or further away from God. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be the same thing happening here. That drawing yeah. closer or further away is, you know, is heavily dependent many times on our circumstances around us. And wartime is one of those circumstances here. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, well, I mean, back to your point about 9-11, how many people sought churches and and Mm. went to the bible and began to pray right after that or um during during covid when we were in the heat of it Mm. you know i think people Mm -hmm. you saw a greater religious push yeah uh, not not that everyone did but but there seemed to be a greater religious push um that happened and not because someone had an agenda to make that happen but Mm. it just is what we do yep yep yeah Well, then we also have this opposing perspective from Screwtape that although he speaks negatively of God, Christians find themselves encouraged by his words because he begins telling us about what God does during these times. Screwtape says, 
I feel as if I had been allowed to taste the first course of a rich、mm-hmm. banquet, and then denied the rest. Yeah. It is worse than not to have tasted it at all. Yeah. It's almost like God pulled a little、uh, gotcha <laughs> moment. Yep. He's talking about how during the war, <clears throat> it seems at first like the demons are winning. But then God makes those moments into what I like to call clarifying moments. In other words, suffering seems to be the spiritual battle- battleground for either side to take advantage of, like what we've been talking about. Will these moments cause a person to turn further away from God, or will it cause them to turn toward God, closer to Him? Screwtape at least laments that God has used these moments for good many times. Yeah. Yeah, he, he even talks about how some of the other demons, he mentions a name and says some of the others have. Scab tree. Scab tree, yeah. <laughs> have,、uh, you know, really seen this as a great opportunity, but he, he does, he's not convinced.、Mm-hmm. He really sees that. Now, I think the enemy in the long, overall is the one that wins out the most in this. Yeah. Isn't it interesting <clears throat> that he's kind of like. Just shedding a little bit of light onto like all of the philosophical debates among the demons. Yeah. And particularly with this topic, it's like obviously there's going to be a lot to talk about and people aren't going to agree on what. I mean, we're talking about good and evil. These are huge themes. Yeah. Like, what, what do we truly know about them? I don't know. We know a lot and then again, we don't know anything. You know <laughs> what I mean?、Um, so I immediately feel. Humble. <laughs> We're humiliated、yeah. thinking about everything I've just said, you know,、yeah. making all these high, lofty philosophical statements when really I know I'm just going to、yeah. go back to sinning. And <laughs> sure. Well, we don't know until we get there either. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Some reasons why the war might cause positive change in individuals is that people begin to think of causes larger than themselves. Yeah. Yeah, we're about to get into a conversation that I, I've been trying to avoid. <laughs> it, this is one of Screwtape's concerns. But it's not simply the pursuit of virtue that Screwtape dislikes. Rather, and we have a complex statement here, he says it's the fact that God will take some of the causes that people stand for and reward them. And here's the thing even if those things are displeasing to God. Yeah. I mean, that, that's how you read it, right? I- I'm, when you're ready to pause, I'm going to read the quote just because、like、it is it. confusing. Yeah, yeah, do it right now. We, we, were, we were texting about this before we started, and I texted、uh, a, a, theolo- a theologian friend. She has a degree in theology, and then I、um, talked to my wife about it too because I don't get it. <laughs> so just be forewarned. We don't know. <laughs> I've never known what I've been talking about. <laughs> But we, you know. We say that in the beginning of the podcast every time. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, only, it's, we only have, have an, an inkling, inkling. <laughs> of what we're talking about. So here's, here's the quote.、Um, let me see. I should probably give a little more context here. Well, we'll just go for it. I know that the enemy disproves many of these causes, but that is where he is so unfair. He often makes prizes of humans who have given their lives for causes he thinks bad on the mon- monstrously sophistical ground that the humans thought them good and were following the best they knew. So that's the confusing mm-hmm. statement. Mm-hmm. 
because <clears throat> he seems to be making the claim where we actually heard it right the first time. It's just hard to accept. Yeah. Because what Screwtape is, is saying, the way I'm hearing it, is people may have done wrong things on behalf of the cause they stood for, but they were quote unquote following the best they knew. And according to Screwtape, that's so unfair. And what's unfair about it is there's some type of um, reward. He says God makes prizes out of them. Yeah even after they've died. So, I mean, we have to, I was wondering if we could explore that for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> because this truly is some <clears throat> complex stuff. Um, so I have a question for you. Yep, I don't have an answer, but I'll talk about it. This one, this one you'll have an answer for. It's a punctuation question. <laughs> in in the hard copy, because you have the hard copy, I've got the um, Kindle version. Mm -hmm. Is there any punctuation to break that sentence in half? Where are we he, starting? At? He often makes prizes of humans who have given their lives for causes he thinks bad on the monstrously sophistical ground that the humans thought them good and were following the best they knew. No punctuation. No punctuation. Mine either. Okay, so I don't have a typo. I'm just checking yeah, to make no, sure. This is a Pauline-style writing. Yeah, this just, long oh. sentence. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, but the thing that really struck me, not only does he make prizes of humans, but it's humans who have given their lives, so they've died. And so if my first struggle was, what did he mean that he's made them uh, prizes? Does that mean yeah. like he showcased the good thing that they did in order to inspire other people? <clears throat> or was it like, it doesn't matter if you serve God and you die and um, God welcomes you in kind of thing, yeah. you know? Which led me on this rabbit trail. Like I went to Romans 2 because it immediately made me think right. of that when Paul's talking about what, what I think you know, after doing some a little bit of research on it was, um, I mean, in the Old Testament... There have been plenty of prophets, and I mean, Ezekiel and Jeremiah hit it real hard. God is going to move to the Gentiles, and it's going to shake up Jewish thought. Yeah. And God is going to do this unique, mysterious thing with the law by writing it on people's hearts to mm -hmm. where that gets translated into Romans 2, I think, of now look at Gentile Christians that, who are living the law, who <clears throat> never read the thing. Right. Who never came face to face with it. Right. That that to me is like um, Paul saying this is fulfillment yeah. of what was prophesied so long ago. When I discovered all that, immediately did away with what I was thinking originally because I thought, well, maybe you know Romans two, if you don't have any like historical prophetic context about what yeah. was going on, you would just read that and think, oh well, Paul is saying anybody who does morally good things um, might be living in a way that is pleasing to God and therefore God accepts them yeah and I think there are some boundaries there yeah you know um, because people say you know well I'm a good person I do good things and I think that that's good enough for God but it's an interesting thing to ponder that if you don't want a relationship with God that's that's kind of weird yeah because it's like you know, if if my mom says, look, Greg, when you grow up, I just want you to do these three things, you know, uh, serve the poor, love your wife, and get a good education. And I live up to those standards and do those things, but I haven't talked to my mom in like 30 years. Yeah. 
isn't that kind of strange? Like, I did the things my mom wanted, but I hate my mom, or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, or I want nothing to do with her. There's still a relational aspect that's that's missing there, I think. Yeah. But anyways, I think that, that that type of thinking was not what Paul was getting at, after all. But that's no. what happens, removed from any kind of historical, prophetic context there. So anyways, I went down that rabbit hole. Sure. And I got out of it. So, <laughs> but looking back, I don't think that that's what that's what C.S. Lewis was thinking about either. Yeah. Um, did you have any thoughts about that? I've well, got more. Well, I didn't spend much time on the Romans. I did go back and read when you brought it up and we were texting about this. Romans 2, and I went and read Romans 1 just to get a more context. And mm-hmm. um. I decided that there wasn't enough connection there. I saw right. where you would go there initially, mm-hmm. but then I decided there wasn't enough connection, so I didn't spend any more time yeah. thinking about it. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I had to keep being wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but I still didn't have an answer. Um, and so I, I talked to my wife, and my wife read it a few times, this, this sentence that we have now read a few times here as well, and said, well, I think there's two thoughts going on here. She said, I think... He often makes prizes of humans who have given their lives for causes. Okay, uh-huh. and then and then he thinks they're bad. So I don't fully understand her thought process there, but I thought, well, that's a really interesting approach. Maybe there's two thoughts, but then that's why I asked you about the punctuation. Uh-huh. I thought maybe I have a typo, and there's supposed to be like a colon, semicolon, or a mm-hmm. comma, or a dash, or something to break this up. Yeah. But but there isn't. So that leads me to where I kind of was leaning, but I this is not an answer. This is just as close as I've gotten so far, which is, I'm not sure, because we might use the phrase, given our lives for causes, mm-hmm. to describe someone that's still living, mm-hmm. like they've given their life to this, but they're not dead yet. Right. Um, so then I thought, well, what about Paul, the Apostle Paul? Mm-hmm. Paul gave his life to a cause that he thought was good and followed it to the best of his ability, killing Christians, right, murdering people, and then, and then God gets a hold of him, and now his life is a prize. Like his life is an example to look at, as a as a believer, but his his cause God considered not good because it seems like the idea here is the cause is not good. Yep. Like, they're giving their life to a cause, they're doing the best they know how, but God sees the cause as not good. Mm-hmm. So so Paul thought his cause was good mm-hmm. when he was Saul, mm-hmm. before his life was changed in the scriptures. And, and, then, and then his life is transformed when he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, and then later he becomes the most influential apostle, writing so much in the New Testament. Um, that to me seems like someone whose life is a prize mm-hmm. who was living for a cause before now its cause has changed mm-hmm. when god gets hold of him so that was where i was where my mind went but by mm-hmm. no means am i saying that's what's intended here it's just i don't right. i can't make sense of this well, otherwise yeah <laughs> if we just try to do our own little contextual work here like we would the bible yeah I mean, the, the context here is war right and uh people have a lot of different beliefs about war yeah. And um, Lewis definitely had to wrestle with this. I mean, he was a soldier at one point, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So even he, he's speaking from firsthand experience. Mm-hmm. And being such an intellect, he's really trying to work this out. 
Yeah. And he's trying to communicate to others, I think. Um, can there be any good that comes from people fighting wars? Um, especially as a believer, you know what I mean? Uh, what does that mean when believers go off to war? How does that translate to um, how you live your life? And how does it translate to how you interpret scripture? Because there are so many different camps when it comes to war. You have like just war theory where like you can do X, Y, and Z and this mm -hmm. is okay to do. You have people who are all in like God bless America. This is yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then you have uh, the extreme opposite. Right. Hardcore pacifism, which is like we do not contribute or participate in any war in any way. In, in violence. Yeah, yeah. In violence, period. Right. And we're going to adhere to that no matter how awkward or uncomfortable it could get. Yeah. And so, man, the camps split up really quickly. And I wonder if Lewis is just trying to explore that a bit more by making this really risky statement. <clears throat> and the way I was thinking about it later is that, like, we can also kind of flip the script and say, okay, let's think about like uh, Christians and non-believers for a second. And you can have a Christian preaching a sermon on a Sunday morning whose heart is totally not in the matter. And how many pastors have been found out to be having affairs or doing these crazy things while they're preaching on Sunday mornings? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then you have like a great non-believing leader out in the political sphere or whatever actually doing really good things for the sake of others for the sake of humanity and it's like which one would you follow at the end of the day then in that kind of situation you know what i mean like the person who's out doing really good things but doesn't believe in god at that point would have much more appeal than this pastor whose heart isn't in his preaching, he's just being a hypocrite, living this kind of double standard. But like, yeah, this person over here has much more appeal. And you hear that kind of argument all the time, mm -hmm. like, you know, like, um, well, yeah, I'd rather be on the side of this person who's super loving than the side of this person who's a total jerk yet claims to follow God. Like, but we hear that a lot, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I wonder if he's trying to play on these opposites then, because... There are people who do things that, if we looked at them in, with the best intention in mind, if someone was truly doing something they believed was truly good, that the cause was greater than them, that they realized life is much bigger than they thought, and I need to do something for the sake of everyone's ultimate destiny and journey in life. I want to commit to the greater good. Um, that just sounds like a really good thing. Sure. And if we if we go to like the age old <laughs> apologetic arguments, like what about those who never heard of mm -hmm. of God, you know, and died mm -hmm. that kind of thing? You'd be like, well, we should suppose that there are people who are living some pretty good lives and doing great things for the sake of others. That um, thankfully God is judge at the end of the day, kind of thing, you know. Yeah. And so I wonder if he's just trying to really bring out all of these different kind of odd circumstances because uh, war is like that yeah you got people who might be like you know what uh, we need to go and kill all the Japanese and this guy thinks that he's really doing a good thing to try to save the United States or something right. for example and but his heart seems so pure in the matter but he, <laughs> he doesn't have a greater perspective to be able to analyze it you know what I mean yeah and so 
are there certain situations where we can look at that and say, well, yeah, this person was quite the model. Um, mm. Of course, I don't support killing Japanese. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get your example. I, hmm. So I guess my theological background really wrestles with this because struggles with this because um, God God didn't die on a cross for me to serve the greater good mm -hmm. like like the social gospel is not why he came mm -hmm. like me being good to my neighbor is something he commands me to do but he commands me to do it for his glory not so I can be contributing to social good things I'm not saying that's quite what you were meaning but like the idea that that a cause and also reading it in the book it's like God's not happy with the causes the causes are not he condemns as bad mm. according to screw tape mm. in the book and yet somehow these these people that give their life to a cause end up being a prize mm. and I'm trying to make sense of how how do you become a prize for God and His people, and for the purposes of, of 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 the gospel, when your cause had nothing to do with the gospel. Yeah, I th I think it's just like primary, yeah. <laughs> primary and secondary things, right? So yeah, I would never say that it's not it's not God first. Sure. Uh, you know, and uh, there's a quote by Martin Luther, who says God doesn't need my good works, but my neighbor does. And essentially, like. It's your faith first that we would hope fuels other projects. It's not going to be that way for people who don't believe, obviously. Sure. There's going to be other intentions yeah. in mind. And it's not to say that Christians don't have other intentions. I mean, Christians' motives are not pure in, in many respects. People, either, you know? People's motives, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but we, that's the goal, yeah. you know, that we want... We desire our faith to be primary, right? And then our social acts for the greater good or helping our neighbors are, are secondary as a result of that. Totally. Um, I just wonder if Lewis is trying to play on that by saying, "Well, go ahead and say that your faith is the driving factor," because if you think about like that pastor over there who's empty-hearted. But since he's a pastor, is he just in like Flynn at the end of the day and gets to be at God's right-hand side mm. versus this other person who's actually out in the world fighting a good fight, doing good things, but doesn't love God? Um, those are the times where I just say, I'm glad that I'm not God. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? true. Because I, as a human being, I can't, I can't, I don't have the capacity to hold the same kind of judgments that God does about people. You know what yeah. I mean? I can't condemn people to hell, and I can't say Joe Schmo's getting into heaven or those kinds of things like that. Yeah. Not that that's like the end game necessarily anyways, but like <clears throat> to be able to make those kinds of judgments, period. Yeah. I just think, I wonder if Lewis is trying to subvert our thinking about it by making that statement through screw tape. I mean because look C.S. Lewis has shown himself in this book to be the most practical guy. Yeah. This guy's really thinking down to earth about things. And at some point he's gotta say something that's really gonna challenge us theologically because he's kinda of like the desert fathers. He's refusing to get way too high and lofty theologically 
at the expense of what's happening in the real world, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, he, this is one of those moments where, like, it just stood out, and there must have not been a, a plainer way for him to have said yeah, it. Yeah, I wish know? we could interview him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Like, hey, come tell us what you meant on this book. Something this makes part. me think he would explain it, and I still wouldn't understand. That, that might be true. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if you're right on that. Because <laughs> I definitely don't feel like, you know, I, I gave my thoughts on it, but I do not feel like at all like i have a, arrived at any kind of hmm. actual this is it i know it i know this is it <laughs> well i mean you and i talked about in previous episodes about we have stood for theological things that turned out to be not so important or yeah. they're important and we went about it the wrong way sure and i kind of wonder if that's if that's what he's getting at here yeah where um, we stood up for these causes that we thought were so good. Oh, yeah. Um, in a way, they are, but we were so wrong about it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I, My wife and I were vegan for several years. I'm vegetarian now, and we were so hot about the animal rights things, and, and they should be treated rightly, in which they should be treated fairly and rightly. But, you know... I know for me, personally, I'm, I'm vegetarian now, and I realize that the only reason I'm not eating meat at this point in my life is not because I think it's wrong to eat an animal. It's because when you haven't eaten an animal for so long, personally, mm -hmm. it's so difficult right. not to, to get yourself to do it. Mm -hmm. Like it, it feels wrong, even if I know it's not. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, it's not to say living a vegan lifestyle is wrong either, but just <clears throat> the cause I thought was so important, it really, it's not without value, yeah. but it's its not as ultimate as I thought it was, not right. nearly so. Right. Yeah. And navigating, I mean, this total <clears throat> side conversation, you know, yeah. navigating <clears throat> what you do about your convictions and how far you, how far is it? how healthily can you go in imposing that on other people yeah. because it's like and you know how many causes are out there oh my goodness and if everyone comes at you with their own conviction because they're currently into some cause you can't keep up with all of it yeah it's like oh man i ate meat in front of you that was offensive oh man my clothes are mixed fabrics oh, can't believe it. oh man i use electrical equipment to do this yeah. i use gas in my lawnmower it's yeah. like Man, you would just get tore up. <laughs> yeah. And and people find I've always uh, probably going down the side tangent even further. That's why I'm hesitating. But uh, <laughs> I've always thought that um, not always, but in recent years thought that the the desire that seems to be innately in human beings to rally behind a cause of any kind and the fact that we will create a cause in our life where there isn't one so we have something to rally behind and belong to is evidence that there is a innate desire to belong to something bigger than ourselves mm. and, and ultimately as a Christian I view that as a evidence that we are created and wired to be driven towards God yeah. even if we fight it and resist it and try to replace him with another cause yeah. so that's good. I see that. I, that's how I feel when I go to sporting events. Yeah. You go and watch a college basketball game. Yeah. You could stand back and look around and say, well, we're all cheering. We throw our hands up and hold up 
certain symbols with our hands to represent the college or whatever yeah. and um, it looks like we're worshiping <laughs> if you were just an alien observer you're like people are really gung-ho ho about this guy throwing a ball in the, <laughs> in the basket you know what i mean like, it would look so foolish from the outside but yeah that desire to celebrate people achieving their goals collectively defeating some type of power or overcoming an obstacle together mm -hmm. these are all really important themes in life yeah well, I'm glad we solved this issue. <laughs> Hopefully you guys are, you know, it's crystal clear now. If yeah. you have, if you, if you listen to this and you get this far with us and you have your own thoughts, you should, you should let us know. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, uh, kudos to you. Cause you'll probably have to type them out to us yeah. where we just get to like fumble our way through yeah. our words. <laughs> well, uh, I just have a little bit more here to say. Lewis slash screw tape. Is it uh, from here on out? Do we call him Lewis tape or screwus? <laughs> screwus. <laughs> screwus. <laughs> so screwus. Uh, <laughs> he takes us into another dark dive. I'm still on the concept of death. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. For the demons, it it is better if all humans died in costly nursing homes. Mm -hmm. Quote, amid doctors who lie, nurses who lie, friends who lie, as we have trained them. Yeah. Like, never allow a priest into the room, lest you betray the true reality of the human's condition. Right. So the true condition, in Screwtape's mind, is that people are locked away in hell, lest they turn to God. Yeah. Instead, the demons applaud those who tell people that their sickness is enough of an indulgence to enter into the pearly gates. Yeah. And I think, like... Wow, that's another one of those like dark statements yeah. by Lewis. Dark like, and heavy. Yeah, yeah. Like those are some hard words there. But nevertheless, Screw Tape warns Wormwood that any threat of death is always rocky ground. Because it has that potential, as we've looked at earlier, to shake someone out of a dream state and into the reality that none of us are going to live forever. And I yeah. think Wow, wow, that's those words really really popped out don't let people see a priest just let them think that their death alone is is good enough to know that hey you fought the good fight yeah which i mean that's that tends to be how things go mm -hmm. um yeah he talks about how we'd rather have them and it, it is it's pretty dark because you think about costly nursing homes so they're they're everything about their life is being sucked out of them their resources physically in this world they're there are they are slowly wasting away but being but being maintained to some semblance of life mm. like just the whole idea is not to say nursing homes are bad places or things but just that's a much harder death than and in a less celebrated death mm -hmm. than to die in war yeah quickly and even if there is pain and suffering for a time like relatively quickly and for a cause that a large portion of the earth will celebrate yeah i mean the contrast here is those who are who are dying for a cause like war versus yeah. a person dying in a nursing home i think he's just trying to exaggerate that contrast right. here's a person who we would assume is dying comfortably for lack of better terms yeah. versus a person who is staring death in the face yeah 
and really has to consider if I do this, I might die. And then screw tape says, and they go into it anyways. Yeah. So like, if you think about like the nursing home and it, I mean, this is at this point, I, I take that phrase to be purely fictional. Like Lewis, I don't think Lewis is necessarily sharing his own opinion here as much as he is a thought of screw tapes alone. Like screw tape has taken on his own character by this point. Yeah. Um, to say something like that because right. we can't say everyone in a nursing home is not thinking about death. No, like I'm sure a lot of people are thinking yeah, about yeah, death yeah. constantly by that. Right. Point. You know, if you right. visit your own loved ones in a nursing home, they'll tell you very often, "I'm ready. I'm ready to go." Right. Like, I'm tired of being in this. Yeah. Like death is always on their mind. But this exaggeration here, I think he's trying to paint it as comfort, the avoidance of pondering your death. Versus people who seem to be charging right into it, even though they're really afraid. Right. And so we get that um, that contrast there. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I mean, the letter still concludes with demonic tactics mentioned at the outset. Catch the human being when their reason is temporarily suspended. Yes. So that they are not thinking with more clarity about what is happening right before them. Right. And that was mentioned at the start of yes. the letters. And that's a common... Keep him unawares. Just don't think about it. Yeah. And Lewis has every right to say that, having been a soldier. Yeah. And the deep thinker that he is, man, his brain must have been thinking hard about this stuff. Yeah. I think an encouraging part at the end there is screw tape has to admit that, yeah, we want you to grab him while he's unaware, but in in war, chances are that the, the gate is guarded. Mm -hmm. Like. Even even in that instance, um, if he if he turns, how does he word it? He says if he turns um, to the enemy's headquarters, he I have found that the post is nearly always defended. Mm -hmm. So, meaning like God is going to back him up yeah. when he starts thinking about leaning into God, yeah. returning to Him, right. Mm -hmm. And our, our, our opportunity in, in situations of great suffering, for the demons anyway, is, is very limited, it sounds like, the way he talks in this letter. Like, there's a lot working against him. Yeah. And, you know, I, I remember I've had this positioned against me many times <clears throat> in my life, having turned to God in times of sadness and loss and grief, and non-believers have mocked me and said, it's not a case for God's existence just because you turn to some fairy tale when you're sad. The fact that people turn to some imaginary comfort does not tell me anything about God. And I think it's very much contrary to that, that yeah. when you turn to something for comfort is a fact of its existence. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, no, God is a great comfort to us and we turn to him in times of grief. And if, if anything, this is uh, this letter, chapter five, is a hard hit supporting our position there. Yeah. That war is going to lead to a great amount of suffering and loss yeah. and death, and it has great potential to turn people to God because they're right. looking for a great right. comfort. Right. And historically, um, I mean, <clears throat> Christians, Christianity has always grown and thrived under times of great suffering and adversity. And and biblically, 
we're told that. Mm -hmm. um, Jesus tells us that we're going to suffer and that we should press into him. And, and Paul talks about how, you know, suffering is a, is a refinement for us, you know. Mm. So, I, the evidence seems to stack in favor that, that times of great suffering, be it war or something else, are going to push people towards the reality of God. Yeah. It's like the first two... Which is encouraging. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The first two books of the, of the uh, Hebrew scriptures, I mean, Genesis, the human beings are given the task to be fruitful, multiply, and that doesn't end at the book of Genesis, although it's it tries to be taken over many times, very yeah. quickly. Like, let's... Uh, with murder, you know, when Cain kills Abel... Um, after sin has been introduced by Adam and Eve, like, very quickly the fight against the multiplication and fruitfulness of human proliferation is challenged. Yeah. And then it doesn't end there. And I think that Genesis, um, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, it doesn't let that theme go. And it's trying to explain to you how this is a great battle. So like in Exodus, the start of Exodus, you know, what does Pharaoh want to do? He wants to captivate the Hebrew women and try to put pressure on the proliferation of God's people. Yeah. And when he does that, like you said, it's like this great pressure cooker. If you want to try to suppress that, we're just going to keep popping out babies left and right. right. right, right. And God's people grow regardless. Right. Regardless. Yeah. So that God is not going to let go of that fruitfulness and multiplication. Yeah. Well, and... To bring a horticultural parallel to that, <laughs> plants under great stress, they go, oh my goodness, I think I might die, I better procreate. Mm -hmm. And so then they bloom and they go to seed. Mm -hmm. So you can force a plant to flower through stress, and you can force a plant to multiply through stress. Um, many ways to to propagate a plant. Now, this isn't this isn't uh, through seed, or which we would call sexual reproduction in plants. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's actually cloning is through cuttings and shredding the the plant. Um, you can take certain evergreens, for example, like junipers and arborvitas, and strip the sections of foliage off. Um, so you leave some of of the, the old growth that has some bark and then you have the softer new green growth and you, you plant that mm -hmm. in the right conditions and it grows and that plant is stressed. Mm -hmm. um, it's alive but it's very stressed um, because it no longer has a root system. And so the plant begins to grow what's called callus tissue and heal over and then roots come out. All this to say multiplication of plants kind of parallels this idea that multiplication uh, in in the church happens uh, a lot under under pressure um, just like it does in plants in the natural world mm -hmm. so yeah that's really good and not not that we're saying like oh we want to suffer no yeah, we like not to at suffer. all no, <laughs> if you like that you're you've got issues right <laughs> but um, it's to not lose hope in times of yes. suffering yeah. and to look at it like Lewis wants us to and to recognize that as painful as it could be, there is still great potential in that battleground. Yeah. And the potential to either be taken further from God or closer to God. Right.
You've been listening to Only an Inkling. If you like this podcast, you already know what to do. 